The Start On Demand. On demand. Hey, hey, happy Monday from The Start. Thanks for tuning in, downloading, sharing, and subscribing to The Start On Demand. Lots of conversations for you today, including flip phones. Would you go back to the flip phone era? Maybe you're already there. How many cases have been tossed since the Supreme Court of Canada handed down guidelines for delayed trials? Yes, you're entitled to expeditious justice in Canada. And the zipper merge. It's not illegal, but we certainly don't embrace it here in Manitoba and here in Winnipeg in particular. Matt Allard, he is the city councillor for St. Boniface. He's the champion, so to speak, of zipper merging in our community. We'll speak with him. That and much more coming up on The Start On Demand. Let's get down to business. Lots of feedback on the uh, recycling and the banning of plastics, single-use plastics that uh, we're going to get some more details from the federal government on today. Keep those coming, 780-6868. A Utah-based company is offering to pay someone $1,000. I'm assuming this is U.S., so it's about $2,000 Canadian. <laughs> if you can complete a simple challenge, downgrading to a flip phone for a week. Frontier Bundles, a Utah-based internet service provider, said it is looking, quote, for one brave soul to willingly give up their smartphone for a full seven days in favor of a flip phone. Here's uh, what it sounded like back in 97 when the flip phone uh, became a fang. There's an incredible freedom that comes with using a cellular phone. I got all my guys working on it right now. And once you've experienced it, there's no turning back. Now, through this special TV offer, you can receive a Motorola flip phone with cellular one service for just pennies a day. Tell me about the freedoms I would enjoy the freedom of a personal cellular phone. You can make a call anywhere or get a call anytime. Stuck in traffic? Call and change that meeting. Yeah, John, let's change the meeting to 10. Change of plans? (laughs) No problem with the flip phone. Can't remember those directions? Just give a call. Okay, right on Oak Street. It's that easy. Got car trouble? I can't get my car to start. Can you come and help? Help is just a call away. Order today and take advantage of Cellular One's great service for just pennies a day. Oh my God, the freedom they promised you us. You can send, you can make a call, yes. and receive, receive a call. One. Oh my and that's goodness. it, guys. At any time. Not one third of they mentioned the texting, but you can also text on a flip phone. You know what I miss I about the phone? On this one. I, I, I miss when you get angry at somebody on the phone. And you, when you hang up, you can slam, yeah. slam it shut. It's so you know? satisfying. It, compared to where today you're pressing a button and yeah, it's Yeah, that's true. It's that's quite the dramatic effect. Yeah. I agree with you. Jeff Forche, Campoitris, and Jeff Braun back with us after a week away. Jeff, uh, could you handle it? I For $1,000? Absolutely. I could, I'd do it for a month for $1,000. I, I would do it. I well, would like the company still, to say we had to do it. I would love it if they said, we're going back to flip phones. It's cheaper. Especially if you can still text. Yeah. I mean, it was longer. It took a while to text. but I was telling uh, Greg this morning, my husband had a flip phone for years. <laughs> and I used to always be like, you just got rid of it a few years ago. Yeah. And I used to get really frustrated when he wouldn't reply quickly to my text. Or like, how come you didn't reply? And he's like, do you have any idea how long it takes to T9 a grocery list? Like, Oh, T9. was the last time I heard that? Like... It's so annoying. I only got rid of mine in 2013. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love, I would, I think I would welcome this. Like, I, it would be hard. You'd you have say to be, that now. You'd have to be, right. It, 
uh, so much of our job is tied up on our phone. And even when we talk sometimes, I'm like on the phone multitasking or Googling something or all the rest. But I can do that with a computer. And it would be sort of freeing to say in your email sign off, it just says, I'm currently using a flip phone. If you need me, call me. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll, I'll respond to emails after seven. And I have a, you know, I have a laptop. I can check emails later in the day if mm-hmm. I really had to. But no, like I'd be, it'd be nice to have a little bit of that tether broke. Cam, would you embrace this? Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, I think everybody's had like that period where they between phones or something, something happened to it and they, they have to wait a week before they uh, get their new phone or something like that. That's happened to me. And the first like two or three days, you're constantly like reaching for this phantom phone. You expect it to be in your pocket or on, on top on the um, uh, uh, on, on the coffee table or something like that. But after three days or so, maybe it's like three days of cold turkey or something like that when you're quitting smoking. But after three <laughs> days, four days, start more going addictive. by, <laughs> you start to forget that it exists and you kind of just meld mm-hmm. back into reality. Well, we've got a bunch of texts on this. Lynn says, uh, I love my flip phone. I'm guessing she T9'd us from her flip phone. Uh, Larry says, flip phone, no problem. Last one I had, you could email. All we need is talking text, Master T9, and you are set. Thank you, Larry. And Jeff, Yes, I think we said we qualified that the first flip phones didn't absolutely have didn't have I text. Just, I just meant I'm guessing in this text or this flip phone challenge right. that it's going to be you're going to have the texting you're, option because there's no such thing as, I mean, I don't really know phones at all. Then they uh, might my be old some. flip phone had like Twitter and Facebook on it. Yeah, like, some, yeah. like you have internet sort and of. lots of flip Limited phones. It's just, harder, it's just yeah. harder to access. I think about all the social occasions you go to now where you're in a room full of people and half that room is on their phones sometimes. And you go to a, you have people over to watch a football game and half the people are on their phones not watching the game. And you go to a game live and half the people aren't watching the game live because they're on their phones. Taking well, videos taking, or whatever. Listen, the flip phone video is terrible. The flip phone photos are just okay. Like, I, I think it would be cool. One of our listeners, Mike, just sent a picture of the iPhone EYE hyphen phone with the kind of a hand-drawn apple that he made for his wife when she requested an iPhone. She did not find it very funny. Uh, I find it hilarious, but then again, I do not have to uh, use it. And let's see here. Pat had a great one where he sent a cartoon, and it's an image of a a sketch figure sitting on a toilet and yes. it says quote today i went to to-, to the toilet without my phone there are 124 tiles in the bathroom <laughs> <laughs> like it's true people take the their phone to the bathroom now well, and then you're like i can't oh what do i do in here while i pee for 30 seconds like you killed, can't it killed the bathroom reader oh god it did it made it waiting did, rooms yeah. so much more tolerable though. <laughs> that's yes. true that's probably the one of the biggest benefits sitting in that waiting room it's like ah it's okay i've got 500 articles on my must read list here Jeff yeah. a magazine. Cam you could communicate Borges. with the person next to you. So what are you in here <laughs> for? Like, like what are you dying from? That, rash, that rash looks rough. Don't, do <laughs> Don't touch me. One of our listeners says they have a friend who still uses his flip phone. He's very proud of it. We've often said that the wheels of justice can move slowly, in some cases too slowly, which is why the Supreme Court ruled back in 2016 that there needed to be deadlines on just how long it takes for a case to move its way through the courts. So the deadlines are 18 months 
for provincial court trials and the guideline for superior court is that it should wrap up within 30 months. So it was an important decision for Canadians who in some cases have waited years to get to trial or or to try to clear their name, but it also had some concerning consequences. Global's Andrew Russell has been looking at the numbers and found since 2016 nearly 800 800 criminal cases in this country have been tossed out over delays. They include people convicted of murder, manslaughter, or in Manitoba, we know cases of sex abuse or sex assault that were tossed because it took too long for the accused to get to trial. Andrew Russell joins us now to discuss this further. Good morning, Andrew. Good morning. So if you can, first of all, when the Supreme Court announced these changes three years ago, it was seen by many as a good thing. It was, it was because our constitutional rights, if I'm understanding it right, were kind of being ignored by these delays. That's right. So we've always had uh, the right to a reasonable or uh, a quickly or yeah, a, a fair, quick trial. Um, we've always had uh, what's called Section 11B challenges. But this set out a new sort of test case for it, and it was the whole idea was that it was designed to sort of get all the participants, the crown attorneys, the defense lawyers, the judges, to uh, take time or take court delays um, more seriously and and get everything moving faster. Um, so this was like at the outset, it was you know a really great idea, but what we found is that it's put new pressure on the justice system and in some provinces they're not keeping up with it. Andrew as we often say the devil is in the details and maybe in this case it was a lack of understanding of how much pressure these mandates could put on the justice systems uh, provincially across the country and also in uh, federal court. Uh, That's right and we, we you know we found cases you know across the country at all levels that it was just uh you know, delays from understaffing, lack of court resources, um, lack of uh, just even courtroom availability, um, cases being thrown out at all levels. You, uh, If you head it to globalnews.ca for our listeners, the article is right there and it talks about how uh, it's a travesty with these cases involved. 800 cases tossed across the country, including 20 here in Manitoba. You talked to a mom and dad who lost their son and waited years for some sort of justice and, and never really saw it as far as they're concerned. Yeah, it was a heartbreaking story out of Ottawa of their 22-year-old son, Brian Fudge, who was out celebrating his birthday um, on New Year's, uh, January in the early hours of January 1st, 2005. Uh, there was an altercation inside an Ottawa bar, and it continued uh, outside the bar where he was punched, uh, fell to the ground, and died. Uh, the two people who were accused in the case um, took more than 10 years for the case to sort of wrap up. And although it happened in 2005, it had been dragging through the court system for so long that by 2016, one of the individuals involved in the, uh, uh, who was involved uh, or uh, charged with assault actually had his case thrown out just because it had taken so long. So he so went I- to jail, then got out, and now the parents are like, okay, well, nobody really served time for my son's death. Yeah, and they're just, they were sitting there, you know, and they Spent, they told me they spent more than 300 days in a courtroom over that course of that time, you know, and I just can't imagine, you know, it's heartbreaking to hear the details of having to hear those, you know, gra- graphic details of the night their son died over and over again because there's, you know, there was delays, changes of defense, uh, lack of uh, courtrooms again, 
um, it was just uh, it was a really heartbreaking uh, story. So we have to imagine that if there are 800 cases involved here that have been tossed out, uh, including 20 here in Manitoba, for if if there's no victim, there's no real crime. So we're talking about victims who are by accident becoming victimized by this Supreme Court ruling. What's the fix here, Andrew? Uh, so the legal experts I spoke with said that there's a, a number of things that can still be done. One is obviously still more uh, resources, especially in Ottawa, you know, or uh, sorry, in Ontario, you know, more uh, judges, more uh, crown attorneys and more courtrooms. Courtrooms is a big one. The other one is uh, how we prosecute crimes. I talked to a, a, crown, a former crown attorney in Calgary who said, you know, we're still prosecuting too many cases, you know, small, you know, every time somebody breaches a bail condition or something that results in a, in a court appearance and then has to be prosecuted again. There's ways that we can take that sort of out of the system. Uh, so also mental health or uh, addiction crimes that are motivated by, you know, mental health or addiction um, have that aspect to it. That, that could be taken out of the system as well and would, you know, help give or put more resources towards more serious offenses. There was 800 cases tossed, and more than that, where people tried to have their cases dismissed, you know, filed an application saying that there had been too many delays. Is there any suggestion at all out there, Andrew, that the guidelines are too strict, that, that these deadlines being set for when a case should go to trial is not possible? Or is it really just, we need the money, we need the resources, and then we can hit this target? I, th- I think it's just, you know, using, uh, rethinking uh, how we prosecute crimes, you know. No one I spoke with said that it was too strict, but I think it was just, we're still prosecuting crimes, you know, in 2019, the same way we did, you know, 15 or, you know, 20 years ago. Uh, a lot of people I spoke with said that, you know, increasing things like, you know, really incorporating technology into the justice system, using more things like video appearances, um, not having to photocopy every single piece of paper. Uh, a lot of lawyers I spoke with, you know, said that people would be shocked the amount of photocopying that is still required mm-hmm. in our justice system. And it's doing things like that that could help us meet those deadlines. Andrew, we'll keep an eye on this story, and uh, we trust that you'll be digging into some answers for us and look forward to speaking with you again on that front. Thank you so much. It's a Monday morning. Don't shoot the messenger. It's this the way it is. Uh, Cam Poitras joins us in studio here. And uh, in case you didn't know, this is kind of wild. People have been lined up since Friday night to get in the street viewing party known as Jurassic Park. Which would be like where we watch, like the way that way, way. Be like yeah. lining up on the street. To yeah, except out. it's like about, uh, like a, I don't know, a tenth of the, of the size. size. It's pretty small, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You there's, can like get seven, it. there's like, well, how's this, like 800 people or something old? If you show up right now, you could probably get in. Why do you need, what did you need to be there? It's raining Friday. in Toronto, too. <laughs> uh, Tyler Seaton and Angie Taylor were there Friday night when the Raptors took a three games to one lead with a win at Oracle Arena in Oakland, and then they got right back in line for tonight's event. When it comes to supporting your team, arriving fashionably late just doesn't cut it, which is why Tyler Seaton and Angie Taylor are camping out to lay claim to their spot in Jurassic Park. Oh, we got the tent, as you can see. Got the uh, butane stove, a cooler full of food, snacks, hygiene products. They're, they're ready. If, if only they had tickets or something that would guarantee their entrance <laughs> into such a thing. Uh, Toronto Raptors, Kyle Lowry, Lowry. I don't know where you stand on the Raptors love affair, Cam Poitras. I've been a Raptors fan my entire life. And like I, I was a big Vince Carter fan yeah. when I was a young kid, but over the last 
since he left, I kind of, uh, you know, kind of fell off the map there. Chris Bosch had a couple good years when I was kind of a watch them a bit there, but I've been a Raptors fan forever, but and so I've never been a hardcore. Uh, yeah. When Lowry showed up, it, it was kind of a big game changer for the team when I think he, I don't, rem- I think he was playing with the Houston Rockets. If I'm incorrect, please correct me. But I think he was with the Rockets. He got traded to the Raptors and then things with the Raptors just started going uphill. Well, and I'm starting to, I think I like this guy. A lot. Yeah. Uh, he had the obligatory media conference after practice in Toronto yesterday. And Cam, you've been in those. I've been in them. Mm-hmm. Loren, you've been in the in the cringe-worthy media conferences mm-hmm. where the questions are like, oh my God, are they going to ask this too? Or the answers are like, no. Well, you don't blame the guys because <laughs> yes. some of the questions are so bad. I know. Well, you only need to hear one question, although we're going we're gonna to play two because the question I'm about to play for you and the answer really good and then the answer Kyle Lowry gives to to another question, uh, might beat this question from Arjun Ram. He's a young reporter with CBC Kids. Check this out. Mr. Lowry, yes. um, how does it feel to be an icon all over Canada, kids? Uh, I'm not a... Uh, that's a crazy question. I ain't never been asked that one. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how that... I put it this way, man. I was once um, a kid. I was once in your shoes. Um, and to be able to... to, to no kids one day will want to be like me. Um, I hold myself to a super high standard, and I want you to see. I want kids, and I want you to see a, a man that's you know um, really professional, really about his business. Um, but at the same time, he's still fun and, and all and, and loving and everything else. Davide, last that's a crazy question. question right there, boy. You last can't, question you can't right beat side. that question. <laughs> you can't beat that question. You can try, but you can't beat that question. You know, it talks about a professionalism and all reports were after the game on Friday night, Kawhi Leonard, Kyle Lowry, the Raptors stone faced Mm -hmm. as they made their way back to the dressing room. Their job is not finished. Job is not done. Uh, absolutely, it's the way to do it. They've taken on Kawhi Leonard. He's obviously the leader of this team. They've taken on his persona. He doesn't celebrate unless it's a big moment. Um, I think he's only celebrated once when he made that uh, Game Seven buzzer beater, which was, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you've seen it on TV probably three hundred fifty times. Down, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, they've taken on his persona. He's the leader of this team. They got unfinished business. That's the way to do it. Okay. So Rams' question, Lowry's response was superseded only by Lowry's answer to a question about the definition. Of pressure. This is this is fantastic. The definition of pressure, what you think of when you hear that, what it means to you? Um, what my mom had to go through and my grandmom had to go through feeding myself, my brother, my little, my cousin, my, my my little cousins, my other little cousins, you know, going to work, getting up at five in the morning and getting up and going to work and making me cereal having a bowl of cereal, sitting in the refrigerator with some milk and being able to provide for me and my brother and my family. That's pressure. That's pressure to me. And just the willing to do whatever it takes to make sure that your kid will see better than what you've ever seen. Um, And getting up and taking public transportation an hour and a half away, you know, and people like that are you know heroes to me and just going to work and grinding and doing whatever it takes to um, provide for your family and you know protect who you have to protect humility exemplified yeah you know uh, the guy is on the cusp of his greatest accomplishment in his professional career and who what does he think about he thinks about his mom his grandma what they had to sacrifice to get him to where he is and the people that do that on a daily basis to provide for their families 
That's where his mind goes. That's where he thinks stress is. That's where he thinks a real hero is, and I can't agree with him more. For people like me, that's when you start liking a team because of someone like that. So if you weren't into basketball, you're like, well, I can get into that. That's a great mentality. And uh, we've got Matt Allard joining us later on this morning. uh, He's the St. Boniface City Councilor. He's going to join us after 845 uh, just to talk about something he tried to get Winnipeg on board with a few years ago, and that is the zipper merge. That's where we start this half hour, the zipper merge. I don't know if it's a lack of knowledge or an unwillingness to participate, but here is some audio from our friends at the Cheddar online about zipper merging and guess what the person who cut you off in traffic that's me is right there are two kinds of people in the world those who see that the right lane ends ahead and immediately move into the left lane and those who keep driving along in the right lane until the last second we'll call those folks late mergers though if you're an early merger you probably have more colorful names for them so you might be surprised to know the late mergers have been right all along And there is a scientifically sound reason why we should all start doing it. And it's the two words that commuters dread. It's called the zipper merger. The late merge is also called the zipper merge. It's the most efficient way to funnel a high volume of cars from two lanes into one, according to science. If the zipper merge is so great, how come you've either never heard of it or you get the finger when you do try it? It's very hard sometimes. People just try to keep, like, they're really going to go somewhere. They see traffic backed up, they still will not let you in. A bunch of states and cities have tried to spread the word. And North Carolina's Department of Transportation is trying to encourage drivers to work together and take turns merging. Take a look. This sign called a zipper merge. Here's how the Minnesota Department of Transportation illustrates zipper merging. This was just part of their publicity campaign for the zipper merge in 2011. They also had billboards and they registered the domain dothezippermerge.org. So we can do this at the drive-thru mm-hmm. where you take turns. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know there's a little bit of a competition there. You, you'll be watching, is that person done ordering yet? And you want to honor... It's a little bit confusing. It, it can, can be. be. It can be. But for the most part, I think we accomplish it without too much violence. But when you get out on the streets of Winnipeg and the idea of embracing this, I think is just almost a non-starter for some reason. It's not an illegal move. You can absolutely use that lane up until the final second. It's just that Winnipeggers don't like it. And it boggles my mind. It's so much more satisfying to not like if you if you move into that line of cars because the the line you're in lane is closing in say 400 meters you're now feel like you're stuck in this longer line whether it's even whether the science is even true that it's marginally faster it has marginal benefits but it is keeps the flow going more quickly they say even if that's not true don't you like it better using both lanes don't you feel so angry when you're in that line looking at this beautiful stretch of pavement with no one on it. You're like, why is no one using that other lane? Oh, well, it closes. Yes, in a kilometer. It's similar. Let's share it. Let's use it. Stop yelling at me (laughs) when I'm like... And I always wave and say thanks. Like, what's your? why don't you like it? I love the wave. I love giving the wave. I like getting the wave. And what's even better than giving the wave is getting the wave back. When somebody's let you in and you give them the, hey, thanks a lot. And then they wave back to you like say, hey, no problem. There's a sense of community there. But it really reminds me of when they're doing these hurricane evacuations and they don't reverse 
the the flow of traffic. You've got four lanes on the interstate going north. Mm-hmm. Let's say out of Pensacola, Florida. Yeah, use all eight. And they and they and they refuse to. I mean, I know eventually they do, but it's it's a similar frustration for me. It's like, come on, we've got all this real estate. Let's just work together. We we could make this happen. And, and I want to be clear. I'm not talking about a case where you're on the road and there's a side lane like like the um like a shoulder like a shoulder and people are That's using cheating. that to cheat or they're using the, what would be a turning lane like a right turning lane to go as far as they can in the right turning lane and then cutting back in i'm not talking about that scenario i'm talking about just a lane closure and as a, instead of using both lanes right up until the construction sign we seem to ref, we, we we hate it and what's also confusing me this morning is that we have so many people saying that writing in to say they love the zipper merge where are you where are you when i'm out there because i want the Wait. zipper merge to become, yes, let me know. We yes. should have signs in our car, or maybe we should get bumper stickers like, I, I love the zipper. <laughs> Derek says, zipper merging does not work here. Too many people are inconsiderate of others on the road. It's all about me first, and if everybody paid attention to road signs and formed a single line, keep the flow of traffic morning. Yeah. It is. It's, it's selfishness. I think it's bad I manners. Think it's because, no, I really think most people think you're not supposed to do it and that you're cheating. You're a cheater. You're in the other lane. I'm not letting that cheater in. He's not cheating. I'm not cheating. Using the road, man. You know, a, a lot of our listeners tell us where to, where to go. <laughs> we have yeah. bad ideas of our own. This is not our idea, but yeah. I think you and I both endorse the idea of the zipper merge, but some of our regular listeners... They told me to go away. Like, if I try to cut in, they're cutting me off. It's not happening, yeah. basically. And it's not what cutting in, by the way. I'm merging. Just accept it. It's a beautiful thing. Matt Allard is the uh, city councillor for uh, St. Boniface, right, Matt? I am, yeah. I know I'm just having a bit of a chuckle because I know how much uh, this issue is one that gets people chattering. Well, it's fascinating to us because, you know, every construction construction season it rolls around and you have the people who love it and people who don't. You have tried. I don't want to say you've tried and failed, Matt. I don't want to say that yet, but we, we did have the pilot project. It came out and said, you know, there was only mar- few benefits. They didn't see any real return on this whole zipper merge. And so we haven't really gone any further with it. But you're committed. You've asked them to go back and say, come on. I was just checking in with the department this morning. Uh, it looks like there won't be that much uh, in terms of novelty for, for this construction season. Uh, the department's talking to MPI. I guess driver education is responsibility of MPI. So that's where, that's where some of the conversation needs to occur. But uh, certainly I'm committed to promoting this. And, and, you know, frankly, I think it's catching on. I just published an article this morning and it's got uh, 10 shares already. It's uh, it's a, it's a how to on the zipper merge. And once you sort of look at the mechanics of it uh, and understand it, I think it becomes sort of obvious why, why there's a benefit to doing it. Well, scientifically it's sort of been proved and in terms of uh, the whole idea of keeping traffic moving and we see this at the most mundane of places, at the drive-through now, there's not a there's typically not a drive-through that doesn't have two places where you can place your order, and then you've got an alternate into the single line to to get to the window to pay and pick up your food. I mean, we've seen this in practice. We're doing it not maybe every day, but this isn't a foreign concept. I just think that people don't like the idea of the perception that you're cutting in front of me. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think that's the challenge, and uh, I think the more people do it, and uh, just just to be clear to to all the listeners, like it's it's perfectly legal, and there's nothing you can do uh, in terms of uh, you know if you are one of those drivers that's 
getting in line as soon as you possibly can and and uh, contributing to the to the traffic lineup. Uh, unfortunately, uh, those people who are on the who are in the other lane, they're perfectly entitled to do so legally. And the more people who do it, I think the more it'll catch on. And uh, you know, if if you do want to give it a try, like I I've been doing it for years now, and you, you may not get in right away, but you do get in. So there's a bit of a benefit if you're going to be that driver who is uh, willing to <laughs> to do the zipper merge, which if if we all do it, it'll be a benefit to everybody. Matt, are you, are you somewhat of a, a bird expert, shall I say? A what expert? Sorry? A bird expert. Like, <laughs> like flipping the bird. You know, one of my, cons- one of my constituents said that uh, whenever they get any feedback, they roll down their window and they say, Matt Allard made me do it. <laughs> you know, so, I, uh, you yeah, made, that's okay, too. You made a great. I want to repeat the point because when we say time to embrace the zipper merger, when you say it, it, it it's, it's perfectly legal. It's completely allowed. Nobody is doing anything wrong when they try to use that lane all the way to the end until it's closed. And so what we're talking about here is maybe a psychological thing, Matt? Like, how do we change the psyche of the driver so they don't feel affronted? Because I think that's what's happening. I'm not letting this guy in. He's he's cheating. Like, they think yeah, we're cheaters. Well, I mean, I'm trying to drive the point home that you're actually hurting the flow for everyone if you're making that big line in the left-hand lane. Like, we have two lanes for a reason. We should use the whole road. And uh, especially in cities, uh, when you're lining up in one lane... You know, you start seeing cars doing things like blocking intersections, and that really, really slows down traffic. So, yeah, I mean, it's kind of just flipping the logic around. It's not its not that the person using the lane is the cheater. They're actually the person that's uh, making traffic flow better, and they happen to get a faster drive out of it at the same time because not everybody's doing it yet. We're not alone here, Matt. There's other cities. I know I think it's Minneapolis. There's, there's cities in the States that really push the zipper merge. I think Saskatoon or Regina got on board a few years ago saying they were going to try to push this more. But this hasn't been super successful in other cities either. It's not like Winnipeggers don't get it. There, it's a, maybe a North American ideology that we struggle with, even though they do it in other places in Europe with great ease. Yeah, well, I think I think that part of it is the rural-urban split. Like, uh, zipper merge makes way more sense in a city than it does if you're out on the highway. So I think that's part of it. And other municipalities that have really seen the benefit, they've gone as hard as uh, as making it a traffic violation to not let somebody emerge. And uh, you know, it's, in terms of zipper merge, that's one thing. But I think Winnipeggers in general would benefit if we if we had more of a culture of letting people merge. I think that'd be good for traffic overall as well. Yeah, I think a lot of people need to learn how to how to merge and for people to to let them merge. And that's a whole other conversation. I was telling Loren off air that uh, a couple times a week right now, I'm using uh, Concordia Avenue to merge onto northbound Lajemodier and the traffic is backed up that you can't actually really uh, execute the merge. But you're begging. You're like you're trying to make eye contact for people to to let you in. And that's a genuine merge versus a zipper merge. And you're so grateful when somebody actually lets you into the flow of traffic that you want to get out and hug them. But we, we, we just really need to wrap our head around the idea, I think, of just being kinder to one another out on the roads. It, 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 less competition. Yeah, well, I think being kinder is also just the, the, the efficient way to go. It's sort of like uh, the responsible thing to do. I know I try to make a point of letting at least one person in. When there's a when there's a bottleneck scenario, that way you can see the traffic flow better. It's not just a start and stop. And uh, 
I think it's uh, I think it's good too for uh, for sort of road road rage scenarios. You know, if you're that driver who's trying to get in, and uh, you <laughs> you know that's uh, that's not good for your uh, for your mood either. So uh, so I think it's better if uh, if yeah if we just take turns. Well, Matt, I, I have a little bit of a, a thing for Saskatchewan, and it's not usually positive. Uh, I kind of uh, detest our neighbor to the west, and it's all in, it's all in good fun. But here's uh, one of our listeners. Bill says, "Good morning." The resistance to the zipper merge shows the egocentric and downright rudeness of Winnipeg drivers. I'm not looking for you to endorse this text, by the way. When I took my motorcycle to the West Coast last summer, I went through Regina. They have signs stating the zipper merge is mandatory in construction zones. When Regina does this, we have a problem. I also, in that trip... Uh, had a very close call with four-wheeled vehicles that happened in Manitoba or had Manitoba plates in other provinces. So Bill wishes us a great Speaks day. Speaks to the attitude, I think. It there. does. You know, Saskatchewan, you know, we, lo- we like to, to poke fun at them sometimes, but, uh, you know, they got the zipper merge, and they also uh, don't have daylight savings time. So <laughs> oh. I don't know. I think some of those people may have their thinking caps on. And they have Uber, and they're building a bypass around Regina. Oh, boy. Oh boy. Uh, anyway, I don't want to start on this. <laughs> We're running out of town. Councillor Lard, always great to catch up with you. Uh, keep up the good fight, man. Yeah, thanks a lot. talking a lot today about the um, different ways we take care of our lawn. We talked about dandelions earlier, and there's a whole new pilot project of sorts that's being introduced by the city of Winnipeg when it comes to uh, how they enforce people mowing their lawns a yeah, little bit better. Is yeah, that, fair is that fair, fair then, way to say the, it? The dan- dandelion infestation, which is overtaking the city, and, uh, well, I'm going to feel bad here, but uh, City Councilor Janice Lukes is on the uh, on the line. Good morning, Janice. Oh, good morning. Good morning. I uh, just said something earlier, and, and I, I, I mean in the most polite way possible. Uh, it, you couldn't have a worse neighbor when it comes to lawn care than, than the city of Winnipeg. Wow. It's, it's a, talk it's, about that? Do you want to talk about that? Well, let's talk about it real quick because I, it's, I, I know it's difficult. I think closer to the perimeter, right? And you're talking about the idea that some of those empty lots or the... Well, even playing fields, even parks, uh, there's a real challenge in terms of keeping the dandelions under control. And I understand that. But when you're spending hundreds of dollars yourself to keep your, your lawn weed free, it, it's kind of tough if your neighbor isn't doing the same. Sure. So there's a few things here. Number one, the perimeter. Ditches around the perimeter. Those are maintained by the province of Manitoba. Anything around the perimeter is maintained by the province. Number two, dandelions. That's a a legislation changed by the province. I'm not dumping on the province. I'm just saying they changed the legislation on what type of herbicide the city could use. We had watched what happened in Ontario. Ontario had done that, and it's happening here. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying it's happening. So that's a challenge, okay? the point number three, I guess we could talk about the change in the, in the bylaw, the uh, pilot project that the city's got underway. Um, many, many, many people take pride in their yards. They really work hard. They, like you say, put hundreds of dollars into yard care. Many people don't. And what we're doing is we're just putting a bit more teeth in the bylaw instead of it taking probably six to eight weeks to have a city um, person come out and mow the lawn. It's going to take, you know, probably two weeks now. The residents will be warned. 
Uh, they'll be given seven to ten days to remediate. And if they don't, the city will come back, speak to them first. They're not just going to do it. They'll speak to them first. They'll mow the lawn, and then a fee, depending on the lawn size, will be applied to their tax bill. So we started this conversation talking about dandelions, but really what we brought you on, Janice Lukes, is to talk about the idea that some people just aren't mowing their lawns at all, or they let the weeds get out of their control, or all sorts of things. So what's the guidelines? Like, what is the appropriate length of grass I should be having on my property before someone is able to complain about whether or not I'm taking care of it? If it's over six inches, that's what the bylaw states. I mean, we live in an urban environment. We have to have bylaws. I know in the big picture of problems in the city this may not seem like a big one but a city city councillors have to deal with many many different issues in the city so anything over six inches you may recall i worked quite a bit around the university of manitoba dealing with illegal rooming houses many landlords there did not do a thing to their property they did not care for it um i'm not saying all landlords are bad there's a lot of good ones out there but there's also a lot of bad ones so this this, too, will apply to landlords who do not take care of their properties, uh, and it will apply to residents. Myself, we're doing an education campaign in, in the Waverly West Ward. We've got some flyers. I've got website, Facebook information on this to help people understand. There's a lot of new Canadians, never had a house before, never had a lawn before. They're learning all of this, right? So in conjunction with an education campaign, this pilot project that the city's putting a bit more teeth in the bylaws. Um, we're going to do a pilot and see what happens this season. Uh, is it go citywide, the pilot project? Citywide. It's okay. citywide. It's citywide. And, um, you know, as crazy as it sounds, this was a top issue during the election campaign. It's been a top issue in this ward for four years. And eventually you've got to do something about it, right? Yeah, I don't think it's crazy at all. Uh, like you mentioned, uh, we take pride in our homes and in our yards. And I confess I had to have a conversation with one of my tenants. I'm a landlord. Just the other day, mm-hmm. I said, hey, guys, um, mm-hmm. you're in charge of keeping the lawn cut and uh, we're going to have to do... You have that do... written in the lease? You have that written in the lease? Absolutely, it's in there. Okay. And so, you know, it's right. just a, a matter sometimes of giving a <laughs> nudge. So I'm hoping yeah. that, 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 that part of this process will be a conversation. I think you alluded to that, Janice, that, yes. that there will be a conversation <laughs> here. Sure. And part of the issue can be education and, and understanding what the expectation is. If you've come to a new community, maybe you've moved from the country or you've moved from a different country yep. altogether yep. and you never had a lawn to take care of before absolutely absolutely and um yeah and, and and you know i know the city bylaw officers in the past have gone out sometimes four or five six times to a property to try and get compliance and that costs a lot of money sending these bylaw officers out each time if we send them out twice and the residents don't want to comply or they're repeat offenders there'll be additional fines what do you so, what do you say to those listening who might be like, hang on, the what kind of problems might we pose for those officers who now have to, or the city employees who now have to go onto someone else's property and mow their lawn? Is there any safety concerns associated with that, or just you know, some people might might be really affronted by someone show, mm-hmm. else showing up with a lawnmower and and taking mm-hmm. care of their business? Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know what, the city has uh, checked this all out and they checked it all out, so. They wouldn't be going on it if they couldn't, you know. So it is a neighborhood livability bylaw within the city of Winnipeg that if you live in the city, we have to adhere to these bylaws. I mean, there's over, oh gosh, hundreds of bylaws take care of garbage, takes care of drainage, proper drainage. There's, there's the sump pumps. That's another huge one. People, people run the sump pumps 
onto the streets, and it actually erodes the concrete and the mm. asphalt and creates a real problem. But lots of people don't know they're supposed to drain their sump pumps. That probably will come out next year. We're going to be doing more education on where to drain your sump pumps. You know, as we build more uh, denser communities and smaller lots, People don't necessarily want the sump pump on their smaller lot. So they'll put it on the sidewalk or the back road or the back lane, creates a hazard, and it deteriorates other infrastructure. So lots of less challenges in the city. Well, it's all about livability, and uh, yeah. if we can't have these conversations, uh, then then we're really behind the eight ball because uh, then that just means we're we're only plugging holes in terms of the major issues, and, and these can turn into major issues if they're not dealt with, and tensions between neighbours are no laughing matter. Janice Lukes, mm-hmm. the City Councillor for Waverly West, thank you for your time as always. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on CJOB. Talk soon.